Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 63 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we are reading chapter 16 of Homecoming, a book I wrote in a month. So, if you want to get in contact with me, uh, go ahead and head on over to jeffreadsisbook.com, and right there, there's a few ways you can reach me, and we'll talk about them at the end of the show. But while you're there looking for those ways to reach me and tell me how bad this podcast is, why not consider buying a copy of the terrible prequels to this book? Yeah, that's right. Offworlder and Bringing Balance, both for sale as ebooks, or if you want to be boss, you know, you can get the paper copies. Woo! Ooh, that's exciting. Am I right? Well, so I'm doing this podcast very, very late for me. In fact, it is currently 8 o'clock in the evening on Thursday of the week I'm supposed to release this. And I think I think I actually released it on Thursday last week, so this is not good. <laughs> so I get a real rush to edit and then uh, post this tomorrow morning. And by rush, I mean... I spend like 15 minutes editing this. And by editing, I just add the stupid music and all the little shitty sound effects that I feel are sufficient for a podcast of this quality with no ads. So deal with it, people. What are you going to do? Yeah, so it's very late. Um, I don't know what happened. I think this weekend, uh, the lovely Laura and I were just caught up doing a ton of like yard work. And uh, let me think, like I planted some vegetables and uh mulched i did some mulch yep and uh i used the cultivator i have a cultivator attachment for my weed whacker it's pretty awesome so yeah we had like sunstroke and then didn't do anything you know after that and i probably should have done my my podcast i don't know why i didn't yeah well it's fine we're doing it now we're gonna have some fun we're gonna read some book it's gonna be exciting so I hope everybody else is doing well. Hope you're getting outside now that the weather's starting to turn up here in the uh, northern hemisphere. Or I hope you're getting outside if you're in the southern hemisphere before it gets shitty. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let's talk about what we're reading because we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Okay, we're reading chapter 16 today. So this comes in at a whopping 370 lines. Okay, so this is going to make it one of the longer chapters we've read so far, which is just great because it's 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> Not too thrilled about this because i got to get through the newspaper after this. You know, I try to read, what, the paper every day and in paper form because uh, who wants a screen? But, uh, yeah, what are we going to be seeing today, though? Well, I believe there is a magic battle. That's exciting. I mean, you guys like when there's actual magic. Um... I also wrote down we're going to see a new town. That's right, a town. I have no idea what its name is. And, this is exciting, more magazines. That's right, magazines, folks. You're going to get another glimpse into uh, Jeff's mind about what girls like to read for magazines. Well, that's not fair. It is what I think my character would think a girl would like to read. Does that make sense? Ah, it's fine. Whatever. So, um... If you do have any complaints about that, please direct them to Henry, a fictional character, and uh, you can do so by yelling out the window at nobody in particular. So, 
Uh, it's going to be a long one today. I think we're going to scoot right through this. So without any further ado, since it's so friggin' late, let's just go ahead and dive in to chapter 16. So for today's reading, I am sipping on a very exciting bourbon. That's right, folks. I was able to procure two bottles of Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and I am having it with a whiskey stone in it tonight. I went to the liquor store this weekend, or this weekend, this week, uh, by myself, the lovely Laura stayed home, or was it last week? Wow, it's been a while. And uh, in Ohio, Buffalo Trace is basically impossible to find. So when I did find it, oh my God, I flipped my lid. I was excited. So I bought two bottles. The liquor store guy was kind enough to let me do so because, uh, you know, that's rare enough that they don't usually... Anyway, I got two bottles, and I am loving it. It is fantastic. Mm. If you've listened to the show, this is my favorite whiskey. It's just really hard to come by in Ohio for whatever reason. And it is just, uh, I, it's amazing. I don't know what to say. I like it more than some of the more expensive ones, actually. It's still my favorite. And I've had some fancy ones, so yeah. All right. Why don't we get cooking here, huh? Because we got some work to do, people, and it is getting late. As evening fell, the carriage approached a small town set along the northern pike in an oddly flat area with hills in the far distance in every direction. Why is it odd that it's flat? That's... Um, That setting kind of sucks. I'm already annoyed. The whole area looked brown and dry, but Henry surmised that was an illusion brought on by the wheat fields everywhere around the pike in this plain. Is it P-L-A-I-N? That's right. Okay. The town's drab appearance that matched the wheat didn't help, though. The carriage halted in front of an inn on the pike, and Henry could hear uh, their driver climbing down from his bench. Feeling confident that they were actually stopped, he stood hunched over in the low-ceilinged interior, low-ceiling interior, and reached for the door. Resting on the handle, he gestured for the other two occupants to follow. Shall we, he said, his two Ds, to the others when the handle moved under his hand. Suddenly, his hand was moving out of the carriage, still O the handle. I believe that is on the handle. Focusing and staying on his feet, he failed to notice the top of the carriage's doorframe as his forehead accelerated into it. Ow! Damn it! He yelled as he stumbled, half falling out of the carriage and onto the roadside. Are you okay? He heard Benbo asking while he rubbed his head and stepped away from the carriage. Behind him, he heard Margot say, He's fine, evenly. Yes. I think it should have been say evenly, he's fine. Because now it sounds like she said he's fine evenly, and she didn't say that. Okay. Sir, my lady, Benbo began as Henry finally pulled his hands from his head. Welcome to Piketon West. Ooh. <laughs> See, that makes sense. They're on the pike, so it's Piketon. All right, I'll take Or would you say Piketon? I- I'm going to say Piketon. This inn we've stopped at should be acceptable. I've known the proprietor, and he has no problems with the king personally, which is probably good for you. Thank you, Benbo, Margot said, winking. 
We'll see that you have a room and anything else you need when you come in. Very good, my lady, Benbow said, and climbed up the carriage once again to steer it into the stables. I don't think the carriage goes in the stables, right? Just the horses? Eh, who knows. Um, blip, blip, blip. You're too generous with the driver, Margot, Leonid pointed out. He's here to serve us. Perhaps he won't run away in a fight, though, Margot said in rebuttal. Henry snorted despite the sore forehead. Oh, because it was Leonid's driver, yeah. Yeah, he's probably a bad tipper, too. <laughs> Margot entered the inn, and Henry slapped Leonid on the back as they walked in, side by side. Inside, Margot walked directly to the bar, just as she did in Darkford, presumably to arrange everything. Henry took the opportunity to learn a bit more about Leonid, who he did find himself liking. Oh, it's so exciting. Do you like how I'm introducing background information for Leonid? <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. You were a magistrate, Henry asked. He could see Leonid cringe. I was just curious. I'm surprised it took you so long to bring it up, he replied. Margot didn't want me to ask. Do you do everything she asks, Leonid asked? Ugh. ugh. <laughs> Honestly, I almost always do what she says. She's quite persuasive. Leonid laughed. She does seem to have grown up to quite the strong woman. Ugh, okay. But anyways, you were a magistrate, right? Leonid sighed. Yes, I was. I had progressed, uh, okay, I had progressed pretty high in that government. But you need to understand the situation. Which was? That was just the system in place. You had to be part of it or be left out. I was lucky, though, because of my family and our connections with others like the Lafleurs. It was all it was all there was, though. It was the government for all intents and purposes. Is that how you say it? Intense, I think. Yeah, all right. Henry thought about what Leonid not. Okay. <laughs> Typo, that's why I'm having trouble. <laughs> Henry thought about what Leonid and nodded. <laughs> I can understand that. They did some pretty horrible things, though. Leonid nodded. They did, and often for personal benefit. <laughs> Is that any better than a dictatorship? Henry grinned. I see what you're saying, but Stephen is quite a practical, kind person. Oh, I'm sure he is. But eventually, it will be his child in charge, or his child's child, etc., etc. Leonid waved to make a point. You have no guarantee. That is definitely not spelled right. Can anybody spell guarantee first try? I need a spell checker every time. It's a fucking... There's a U in it somewhere, and I always forget where. Yeah, it looks weird if it's G-U-A, and then if you put the U with the second A, it looks wrong. And then if it's A-U at the beginning, I feel like it's too... Cajun? I don't know. <laughs> you have no guarantee they would be evil bastards. I think would not be evil bastards. There's been ter terrible kings in the past. Henry actually agreed with that point. There was no knowing what the future might bring. Ooh, this is... Oh, my God. I understand what you're saying, but you didn't have to be part of the awfulness that was the magistrates. Leonid snorted. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> That's easy to say now. You need to remember the inertia, the pressure, the allure of power and money all acting together to provide plenty of excuses. I probably was personally party to some terrible things, 
but it seemed reasonable at the time. I would apologize, though, to anyone who I may have obviously wronged. <sighs> okay, this is getting tired, huh? Are you starting to feel better about the bad guys? Uh, I'm not really. All right. I was going to do a drinking break, but we're coming up. Okay. All right, Henry admitted. That seems reasonable. I was just wondering. He could empathize with Leonid for his past, having heard it explained from that perspective. Henry knew situations were rarely good versus evil, and he tried to be pragmatic. Ooh, big word. He wondered, though, how Margot felt about Leonid and if she would ever give credence to such an explanation. Given that she was always on the anti-magistrate side, he doubted she'd accept Leonid's, Leonid's reasoning. Drinking break! Ooh, baby! <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my god. If you're not drinking Buffalo Trace, you're missing out. And it's like $25 a bottle, so... Little steep, maybe, maybe like 26 or something. I don't know. It's a little more expensive than I usually spend on like a wild turkey for 20 bucks. But, you know, it's definitely worth it. And I would say, I mean, it's definitely better than like uh, the $30 bottles by a long shot. Like a Maker's Mark or a Knob Creek. This stuff fucking rocks. Mm. I would say the only ones that really give it a challenge, I really like Eagle Rare. I think that was tasty as hell. Um, lately, I've been into, what, that uh, Long long Branch. That one's good. That's from Wild Turkey. I like that. That's nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of one. I will say, like, um, I do enjoy a Bullet Bourbon. That's, that's in, like, the same price range, but the Buffalo Trace, it just seems like it should be $50, and it's not, which is good for me. Okay, sorry. If you're underage, just ignore all that stuff I talked about, huh? All right. <clears throat> Margot awoke the next morning as dawn broke. Ooh, what beautiful setting. They had retired early the previous e evening, knowing they would be carriage-bound for a good portion of the following day on their trip to Twilight Crossing. Oh, I hope, um... What, what are the... Uh, I should have done some research. Who are the, uh... People from um, Twilight now. Bella. Ooh, I hope they get met by Bella. Or um, what, is it Edward with his dreamy eyes? I don't know. God damn it. I used to make that joke a lot. But I feel like Twilight's not really in the uh, pop culture anymore. I don't know. She rolled over to find Henry smiling at her. You're awake, she stated, returning the smile. Yep, he said. They laid in silence for a short period. Margot still trying to clear the sleep from her mind. She remembered they were in Piketon, and after realizing she would be in Twilight Crossing by evening, her smile disappeared. Because she hates her family so much. You all remember that? Ugh. Um, boop, boop. Have you been to Piketon before? Henry asked. I passed through as a child, of course, she said. Is there anything of interest here, or is it just a waypoint on the trip to other places? Margot tried to recall if there was anything in town Henry might like. Her memory was fuzzy from years of absence. Her face brightened when she recalled one place. There used to be a bookstore, she said. Really, Henry said, perking up, because he's a huge nerd. Sure, it was rather large, she said. Just for anybody who's a youngster, a bookstore is like a place where you can go and buy books, but you can't do it in your underwear. <laughs> 
Okay. It's like Amazon, except you have to drive a car there. Yes. All right. Uh, really, Henry said, perking up. Sure, it was rather large, she said. Well, guess where you're taking me after breakfast, Henry said. Laughing softly. <laughs> I've got a G. She replied. That was a long time ago. I'd be surprised if it was still open. Let's go see, Henry said, jumping out of bed. After breakfast, she said, and buried her face in a pillow, slapping the bed with her free left hand. All right, in case you were wondering how she was laying, because I'm still not sure, but her left hand's available. Uh, an hour later, Margot found herself walking towards the bookstore she vaguely remembered with Henry and a reluctant Leonid, who Henry had woken shortly before breakfast. The innkeeper had assured her the store was still there, though they might have to wake the proprietor at this hour. Henry insisted, though. Henry had insisted, though. Why do you want to go to the bookstore, Leonid asked. He likes books, Margot said simply. She felt like she was babysitting. Besides, it's a long ways to go still. Maybe you can get something for the carriage, Henry tried to helpfully suggest. It's like an extra L. Okay. I'll be sleeping in the carriage, thank you very much, Leonid responded. When they arrived at the storefront, Henry tugged at the locked door. <laughs> this chapter is just rife with crap. All right. Margot, though, could make out a man working at a counter inside, presumably doing some sort of paperwork. Try knocking, she said, as if Henry's her seven-year-old son. Ugh. I'm with Margot. I feel like she's babysitting. This sucks. Are you guys enjoying the excitement of them going to a bookstore? <laughs> Henry's first knock made the man at the counter look up and mouth were closed at the trio outside. Henry shook his head and knocked again, which earned him a barely audible yell. Closed. Henry's third knock finally unseated the shopkeeper and he irritably walked to the door. Unlocking it, he said, we're closed for another hour in a slightly irritated voice. Sir, we'll be on our way by then, and I would love to come inside, Henry said. I am almost certain to buy something. Margot rolled her eyes and said, it's true, he'll buy a few somethings, I'm guessing. Ha <laughs> ha he's so loose with the money. <laughs> Margot watched Henry put on a pathetic, pleading face, and she groaned quietly. <laughs> the shopkeeper, though, sighed and opened the door to allow, allow Enti. All right, that's great. The store comes recommended from my friend Margot, Henry said, pointing to her. The shopkeeper nodded dutifully. Do you have any books on local myths and mythology? Maybe a history of the northern lands? I should, he said, switching to salesman mode. Please follow me back here. Margot browsed the books in disinterest, still nervous about the rest of the day. She tried to calm her nerves by telling herself that they might not go anywhere near her home. Rather, they might stay in town to find assistance for traveling near or into the Badlands. Rather, they might stay in town to find assistance for traveling near or into the Badlands. Wow. That sentence blows. All right. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's grammatically incorrect. It just stinks. She was still uneasy, though, about being in town at all. 
She knew her family always had informants about, and she would probably be recognized, or at least her pride pushed that assumption forward. Wow. Ego much, Margot? My God. While she flipped through an illustrated guide to the rodents of the foothills of the Snowy Mountains, ooh, that's a place we've never been, Henry finally returned to the counter with a reasonable three books. She worried he might carry a stack taller than himself. She worried... I think it's she had worried that he might... All right. She worried he might carry a stack taller than himself, not that space was a problem. She turned to look for Leonid, and she found him standing bored by the door, waiting to leave. After paying, Henry walked up to Margot, grinning. It says grinned. Grinned, and I don't know how to say my misspelling. I only bought three books, he pointed out, and they should all help with our mission here. I've got two volumes on myths and mythology from the area. (laughs) And this third book is An Ancient History of the Northern Lands. How exactly will any of those help? Perhaps something like this has happened before, he suggested, shrugging. Margot admitted to herself that there was a slim chance of finding something in the books. Henry could see the glimmer of approval in her eyes, and he his... God damn it, this is so bad. And his grin widened. <laughs> Come on, let's get to the carriage and read, he exclaimed, moving quickly for the door. Well, they're going to have to walk back to the inn. I mean, it's not like they arrived at the bookstore in a carriage. They were walking, right? I think so. All right, drinking break. Isn't this a long chapter? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what will be interesting? I don't think any of these sections are told from, like, Leonid's perspective. So we're going to have to see if that happens. I'm not sure. I really don't think it happens, but I'm not sure. Henry was carefully reading the first mythology volume in the carriage. Having done a cursory flip through all the books on the off chance that a spiral might appear in an illustration, he was disappointed, though only slightly. He had reverted to reading and had sat quietly for the last hour. He had found, though, a tale recounting people being mysteriously taken from their homes at night by some sort of half-god whenever they displeased them. It talked of a storm cloud rolling over the city and some citizens being taken, though the process was quite vague. They always ended up before the semi-god in his fortress to be dealt with as he saw fit. Have you ever heard of this god Zub-Zub? <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> Henry asked to either of his traveling companions. When he looked up, Leonid was fast asleep, as promised. He wasn't a god, Margot responded, her face buried in a copy of, get ready for it. I had to scroll down. Her face buried in a copy of Better Homes and Gardens. <laughs> What's an app? They keep using that word. It's a thing on a smartphone, Henry said. What do you mean he's not a god? A smartphone, she asked, still staring at the magazine. It's like your book that you use to talk to Aaron, but it's made out of glass and it has a screen and it can run programs. He stopped when she looked at him blankly. Look, that's not important right now. I'll show you one if we ever go to my world. Margot's eyes widened and her mouth formed a smile. Henry grew exasperated. Ugh, and we'll go soon. 
But what do you mean he wasn't a god? Says here he was the son of a god or something. I don't didn't really follow that. Margot leaned over and looked at the book. Henry pointed to the passage. No, that's wrong, she said simply, and returned to her magazine. Wrong, Henry asked? Sorry, something in my eyeball. Woo, okay. Wrong, Henry asked? Yeah, he was just some old sorcerer king. So is Velveeta a type of cheese? I can't tell, she said, squinting at the glossy pages. Henry calmly reached out and lowered the magazine. Margot looked at him and asked, what? Zubzub was actually someone, Henry asked. Sure, ages ago. That's ancient history, though. I doubt anyone remembers him at all. This book talks about his being able to magically transport people out of their houses and right into his fortress. Well, that's just a myth, Margot said, shrugging. I don't think that sounds like what we're seeing. Don't you think that sounds like what we're seeing, Henry prodded? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Is that just the first story you came upon that sounded like it matched? Henry considered that statement for a moment. Yes, I suppose it is, he admitted. I'll keep looking for more. Thirty minutes later, Henry found another passage. It described the mountain king with no name given that was worshipped by people. <laughs> oh, people, not hyenas? I mean, what the fuck? Of course people. Ugh. That's got to be like word count padding, right? Just adding by people. That's stupid. This book's stupid. All right. I'm sorry. Sorry. I shouldn't be negative about what we're reading. I'm going to lose listeners. But I am going to drink whiskey. Mm. It was said that those who weren't worshipful enough would have a black cloud over their home that would, quote, claim them. Ooh, spooky. Margot, Henry started, but then thought better of it. She would again question his grasp of reality. You can just buy the pie crust rolled up, she said, looking over at him. <sighs> this is so stupid. Isn't this stupid? This is stupid. He nodded and pulled out the history book the history book to peruse. Okay, was one of these a history book? Who remembers? I do not. <laughs> Let's see. Um, boop, 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 boop. Um, to point it out, two volumes, Myths and Mythology, third book, Just Ancient History. Okay, that's great. Uh, the book was divided into ages, which didn't help since he was so unfamiliar with even the most basic, basic history of this world. Sorry, that I'm, I'm not reading well. The book was divided into ages, which didn't help since he was so unfamiliar with even the most basic history of this world. I need some more, like, inflection in my voice when I read. He decided to start at the beginning and flip forward until there were kings and cities. That makes sense. Eventually, he stumbled upon an excerpt about Zubzub, which I, I hope you guys like Zubzub. Spelt with a Z and a Z. Zubzub. I feel like that's, um... What is uh, Patty and Selma's, uh... Their iguana. What's his... What did she call him? Bub Bub or Jub Jub? Isn't it Jub Jub? That's probably where I got Zub Zub. Yeah. Apparently, written histories weren't common at the time. The fortress of Zub Zub, though, was said to be located in the city of Stonewich at the base of the Snowy Mountains. Ooh, Snowy Mountains came up again. Wow, consistency. Henry made a mental note and kept looking for the Mountain King, which he feared would be impossible. 
there were the only hope he had was that since the king was regarded as myth it would need to be ancient history another 20 minutes of looking yielded a king jarid referred to as the mountain king by some apparently his kingdom was short-lived and he was overthrown eventually by his own subjects Ooh. The book said he had ruled from the snowy mountains using fear as his primary grip on power. He was said to have, quote, an unusually powerful sorcerer as a close advisor. All right, Margot, Henry said, who was the mountain king? A story they tell children to scare them into obeying, she explained. Clean you room, or the mountain king will take you. <laughs> Stop crying, or the mountain king will take you. That sort of thing. Pausing, she finally asked, Why are all these vegetables frozen? Would they taste better cooked? Uh, they cook them first, Margot, Henry said calmly. Oh, okay. They cook them first, Margot, Henry said calmly. So the mountain king wasn't real? He probably was someone, just the stories are exaggerated. And he would take people from their homes? That's what we were told, she said. A knocking on the roof startled Henry, woke Leonid, and finally got Margot to close the magazine. Henry stood, hunched over, and opened the door's window, leaned... Okay. Henry stood, hunched over, opened the door's window, leaned outside. There's no and in this. What's up, Benbo? He said loudly. I'm not doing it loudly. Actually, it would have been a good time. I think the lovely Laura is currently vacuuming, so she wouldn't have heard me yell anyway. Looks like we're being followed, he said back down. Henry scowled. By who? Your friends in black, of course, he replied. Very easy to see them in this landscape. Okay, one second, Henry said, and ducked back into the carriage. We're being... We heard, Margot replied. They must have found out we were in Piketon. Leonid nodded in agreement. What's the plan? Just keep going, Henry asked. Margot sat silent for a moment in thought, and Henry and Leonid waited patiently. This is going to suck, whatever this plan is. Although Margot comes up with it, might not be bad. Mm. Uh, evading people was her business. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Tell Benbo to let us know when we're approaching a blind point in the road. I got a page down here. Uh, a rise or a bend or something similar, she said. Nodding, Henry rose again and leaned out the window. Slapping the carriage to get Benbo's attention, he yelled, How loud could it possibly be outside? I actually have no idea. I've never been in a carriage. I mean, the closest is what, a hayride? Yeah, maybe. I don't think I've ever, like, had a horse-drawn carriage ride. I want to say maybe with Laura once. Maybe. Probably not, though. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, boop, 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 boop. Uh, tell us when we're approaching a blind. Just knock on the roof, okay? The short driver nodded, and Henry slid back inside. Looking at Margot, he could see she was concentrating on something concocting a spell for when the knock came from above. He could barely wait for Benbo's signal to see what magic she had prepared. He's horny for Margot's magic. Oh my. All right. The knock came a few minutes later, and Margot began quietly chanting with her eyes closed. 
After about 10 seconds, she said, tell Benbo to stop. Again, Henry leaned outside the carriage, uh, leaned outside, slapped the carriage, and yelled to stop. Benbo apparently interpreted this request as an emergency, uh, and he jerked back on the reins as Henry was ducking through the window. As the carriage rapidly slowed, his head slammed sideways into the window frame, and he fell backwards into his seat. He was quickly growing to hate carriage rides. And he's got like eight concussions in this book so far. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Margot said, exiting the carriage. Leonid just smirked and followed her outside. Drinking break! Ooh. Mm. Okay. I gotta, I'm sorry. That was a lot of dead air there. I'm just reading. Sorry. My bad. My bad. I should be reading out loud because what the fuck's the point? Okay. That was some good buffalo. I'm getting real low though. Mm. Mm. Okay. Let's do this. Margot surveyed the landscape, seeing that the road indeed turned and gently rose. All right. I don't know what it's supposed to say here. Gently rose of a small dusty hill ahead of them. I don't know. Towards a... I don't know what that... The area was dusty with only stunted trees. My God, I must have been wasted writing this because well, I, I just skimmed over like three or four freaking... Uh, uh, oh my God, there's so many uh, typos in this paragraph. Wow. The area. The is misspelled. Stunted trees. Trees is misspelled. Uh, of is spelt foe coming up here. Okay. The area was dusty with only stunted tray and occasional cops faux brush or grass growing. <laughs> In front of them, a nearly exact copy of their carriage appeared to be cresting the hill. Margot looked up at Benbow, who was staring wide-eyed at the illusion. Pretty good, she asked him. Impressive, my lady, he responded. It won't last very long. Stay here, though. I've made sure you're unseen for now. That won't wear off nearly as fast. Once Henry climbed out of the carriage, Margot waved for the two men to follow. We'll see them at the top of the hill, she said quietly. All three started jogging up the hill as the illusion of the carriage crested and started down again. Wow, this is super dull. Well, what? I don't understand this landscape. If you understand this landscape, write in at jeffreadsbook.com. I really don't know what's going on here. Uh, boop, 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 boop. Leonid led the others to a small growth of green bushes near the hilltop, and they rushed towards it. Margua knew <laughs> they were invisible thanks to a minor incantation she had applied, but physical cover always worked best if people were looking for a ruse. That's a big word. I like using the word ruse. That's good. Peering ahead. They saw only the carriage as it grew smaller. Margot frowned as her illusion sauntered on down the road without any apparent watchers. She was beginning to worry that Benbow was mistaken when Henry nudged her, pointing off to the north. The north? Uh, okay. A black figure on a black horse was barely visible, but clearly following the carriage. Margot grinned. She knew its disappearance would cause a stir if there were more about that stir came moments later when the carriage on the road shimmered and faded. The man in the distance halted, still staring below. He was motionless, 
for a few moments before holding his left arm out and waving off to the north. One by one, more men in black rode into the into sight till there were about 20. Oh, damn, Henry exclaimed. I did not expect that. Expect what? 20 guys? I guess. We should get back to the carriage, Leon had suggested, but Margot remained motionless. She was waiting to see their next move, interested in what they assumed had happened. Suddenly, she had an idea. Her eyes wide, she quietly said to the others, Wait, watch this. It was a simpler spell, though at a distance. She drew up the magic, shaped it with words and subtle motions, and pushed it out along the road. That was pretty good, huh? I like that. I liked how I read that. A glimmer of a carriage, foggy and vague, that dissipated after a couple of seconds. Moments later, it happened again. Henry laughed quietly, pointing at the men on horseback. They bought it, he said, as the entire squad charged down towards the road. Right? Because they thought, yeah, that's where the actual carriage was, but the spell hiding it wasn't working. Yeah, okay. I guess they were eventually going to ambush ambush us with that many men, Leonid said calmly. But what do we try now? They'll realize soon enough that something's wrong. Margot was growing tired, though she knew she could try some more magic. The first spell, though, that sent the clear-as-day carriage illusion on ahead was a rather large piece of magic. She didn't think she was up for another sizable trick, and she wondered if perhaps, like Henry, she was no longer in, quote, fighting shape. Let's just ambush them, Henry said in a tone that suggested he thought there would be, a, there would be little challenge to it. Do you like how, uh, so we're not doing this from Henry's perspective, so it's a tone that suggested he thought there would be little challenge to it. So we're getting some of his thoughts, but extremely indirectly. Okay. Leonid, are you still carrying more fireworks? Boop, 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 boop. I got a page down. It's not working. I can't hold the down button. What the fuck? Of course, he responded. What's the plan? I am going to ruin their day, Henry said, standing up. You're free to join me. Leonid rose and ran back towards the carriage, and Henry started down the hill towards the confused horseman. Margot rubbed her face and sighed. Drinking break! Ooh, we got a couple drinking breaks. This is going to be exciting right here. Mm. Very tasty, yes. Henry knew they couldn't see him as he walked down the road. He had cast what little cloaking magic he knew to protect him for the moment. He could hear the horsemen, though. One seemed to be in charge, and he was yelling for the others to spread out and search. Henry watched as half the horsemen fanned out in all directions. He smiled. Their numbers were down. Ooh. Henry didn't desire a long fight, so he began calling up a particularly strong spell. That should be good for taking out most of them. He just hoped Margot recognized what he was doing. And another drinking break. So exciting. I love drinking breaks. Yay. <laughs> mm. Am I drinking too much during quarantine? I'm going to say I'm drinking just the right amount. Margot could see through Henry's rather novice charm. Wow. Judge much? And she watched as he finally stopped along the road, still concocting some spell. If this is the same fucking spell in a different book, I'm going to be pissed. All right, let's make this original, please. 
Suddenly, the horsemen noticed him, and their leader immediately ordered a charge. Ten drawn swords were bearing down on the lone mage when he raised his right hand, glowing brightly. Leonid appeared at her side just then, carrying a canvas bag. Eyes, she yelled, cover your eyes. She didn't bother to see if he did. Just as she buried her face in her right elbow, an intense white light filled the sky. What's happening, Leonid yelled over a roaring wind. Don't look, Margot commanded. That's uh, the same thing he did in fucking uh, Offworlder there. It's a bummer. I wish he did a different trick. Why would he do the same trick? Boo. Who wrote these books? <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, also drinking break. So let's get that done, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, we are wicked low right now. Henry stood in the center of the road, light roaring from his outstretched right hand, air rushing past him from behind. He heard yells vaguely in front of him, and he could see past his spell to the black-clad men now falling from blind, panicking horses, desperately trying to cover their eyes. So he could just, like, take out an army, apparently, if he just did this every time. (laughs) With his left hand, he called forth another magic. There's a blank line here, but I don't think it's a uh, drink break. Because it's still him. With his left hand, he called forth another magic, pulling the leader of the horsemen to him. The man flew through the air, screaming, caught in a magical grip. Landing on the ground in front of him, Henry placed a foot on his chest and slowly brought down the powerful light spell, the wind calming in response. He grabbed the man's helmet and tore it from his head, revealing a balding, bearded man he didn't recognize. Who are you? Henry asked in as commanding a voice as he could muster. My eyes, the man wailed, which earned him a slap from Henry. Answer me now, he commanded. Um, drinking break. That is a drinking break. Very exciting. Okay, okay. A little drinking break right here. Let's do it. Mm, mm, mm. Oh shit, I am out. Margot reached Henry just as he slapped the leader of the horsemen. She could see him preparing another magic and grabbed his arm. Looking down at the man, she was shocked that she could just barely recognize him. Oh, and that ends chapter 16. Woo! So I rather enjoyed that chapter. I don't know about you people, but you know what? I think it started off really slow because of the uh, bookstore, right? Yep, that was a bit dull, but I guess it did help with plot, right? I think we're going to say that did help with plot, right? Because Henry got some books that seem pertinent to the current situation. So that's exciting, I suppose. Yeah, uh, You know what? This whole chapter, not too bad. Setting kind of sucked, let's face it. A flat area, an oddly flat area. Yeah, it's called Plains, you douchebag. But, um... You know, not too bad. So I think the battle at the end uh, was, what do I want to say, uh, excessively and dully one-sided, right? It wasn't interesting because there was never like a, what do I want to say, like a, it never looked like Henry was going to lose, which is kind of a bummer. You know what I mean? It doesn't make for excitement just seeing him like, kick everyone's ass walking around, which kind of blows. I, I don't like that writing. That should have been more like back and forth. I feel like when they had the fireballs, that went a little better. Remember when they were shooting um, 
Pringles cans full of magic fireballs at them, and then they took out the glass grenades and threw them back. And I mean, that was kind of exciting, I suppose. But uh, it was definitely better. I would say it's better. This one was like, oh, remember that thing that I wrote already in a different book? Let's just do it again, because I, what, I just don't fucking want to bother? <laughs> I, I don't know. That could have been a little bit better. Uh, I like the back and forth with the drinking breaks when it kept switching between perspectives. That was fun. Yeah, I'll give myself a little credit there. Made it like a little, uh, what do I want to say? Like, uh, I made it like... I want to say poppy, but that's not the word. You know, like punchy. It was a little punchy. Yeah, at the end there. Yeah, it was good stuff. Leonid didn't do shit, so, I mean, that was great, right? Why would even Henry have him go get his fucking balls of fire if uh, if he was just going to wipe everybody out? That uh, I don't know. This book is not well written. Let's be honest. Okay. Yeah. I guess... I will say, though, pretty good chapter. It probably exceeds every chapter in fucking... Um, what's it there? Offworlder. Don't you think? That book was pretty dull. Like, I have favorite parts, but... Eh, they're not good chapters. <laughs> okay, okay. So, why don't we read, or get to some discussion questions? Remember, go to jeffreydisbook.com, and right there you can find a way to contact me and give me your answers to discussion questions. Or, if you're Glenn, who hasn't been listening, um... You can just uh, eat. You can uh, text me your messages, your answers. What the fuck am I talking about? All right. I don't know why I'm dawdling. This episode's already at like 45 minutes. So let's just get this fucking rolling. Okay. Question one. So Margaret was in the carriage reading Better Homes and Gardens, right? She saw something about apps. She learned about Velveeta. Very exciting. Do you like Better Homes and Gardens? I'm going to say that I do enjoy that magazine. It is quite fun. Uh, when I was a kid, it, my mom used to get it, I think, and it would be in the bathroom. And, like, uh, in the back, they would have, like, uh, somebody's fancy house, but they would always print the uh, floor plans. You know, like that block diagram that, like, uh, mo- remodelers use to show, like, a uh, you know, where the doors are and the windows and square footage and stuff. I really liked looking at that as a big freaking nerd who likes maps. Yeah, it's good times. It's a map of a house. But you know what? Better Homes and Gardens, not a bad f- magazine. I don't think we get it right now, but we got it for like a year or two here at the Chateau. And uh, yeah, I-, I enjoyed it. Laura liked it too. It, you know, it gives you some, you know, uh, it gives you some, what do I want to say, unrealistic decorating ideas. Because <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to look at a magazine and the new hotness is fucking clapboard. I'm not going to go redo my den with wood. You know how much work that is? Fuck that. So, I mean, it's fun to look at. How about that? And you can get real subtle ideas like, you know what? I do need a picture on that wall. That's about all you can think about there. Ah, yeah. But I like it. What are your opinions? Have you ever read one? Do you enjoy it? I enjoy it. Okay. Uh, Question two. Okay. So, when they're going to the bookstore in Piketon, right? See, I remember the name. That's exciting. In the Snowy Mountains. Two names in this. It's so exciting. Okay. I'm never going to remember these by the end of the book. All right. So question two. Uh, they got the bookstore to like open for them, right? They were banging on the doors like, hey, can we come in? Nah. And he kept saying no. But he finally smooth talked him into opening the damn doors, right? Have you ever gotten like a retail establishment or a restaurant? Have you ever gotten one to open early just for you? Yeah. That's my question. I will say uh, this was 
not the last World Cup, but the World Cup before that, right? The one where they had the Vuvuzelas in fucking South Africa and it sucked listening to the games. Um, we, uh, meaning some of my coworkers and I, wanted to go watch some of the U.S. soccer games, which was pointless because they sucked, right? But, yeah, whatever. So we want, it was a reason to leave work at 10 in the morning. So that's the real point here. It was 10 in the morning. And so we went to uh, this uh, restaurant and bar called Fatheads, Fatheads Brewery in Cleveland, okay? And those shitheads would not let us in. Fuck them, right? They're like, no, you can't come in. We're not open till 11. We're like, we just want to watch the soccer game. We'll just sit quietly. We won't order any drinks. We just want to see it on a TV. And they said no. And so they can go fuck themselves, right? We drove maybe two minutes down the road from Fatheads. Again, fatheads, go fuck yourselves. Uh, and uh, we went to El Rodeo, a Mexican restaurant that is actually quite good. It's phenomenal. And we went in there. Well, actually, we had to knock on the door because it wouldn't open. And somebody answered the door, Mexican guy, right? And he's like, we're not open till 11. And we said, listen, we just want to come in and watch the soccer game. It starts right now. And he's like, uh, he said, yeah. He's like, oh, well, we can't feed you anything because we're not open till 11. We're not going to cook. And we're like, no, 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 that's fine. He's like, all I can do is give you drinks. And we're like, what the? This is perfect. <laughs> so these fine Mexican people led us into their restaurant. They were still like cleaning the bar a little bit, doing a little housekeeping. But he turned the TV on for us. We sat in the dining room. There were like six of us. And we watched the fucking soccer game. It was phenomenal. It was great. I love that restaurant just because of how nice they treated me. And to this day, I have a problem with fatheads, which I will say, like, people around here think their beer is good. If you ever get the chance to try fatheads beer, uh, don't bother. It's not good. <laughs> they make an IPA that people get all excited about, you know. They get all the, yeah. But it's just not, it's not great. It's not great beer. And uh, their sandwiches are good. Like, I kind of like their food, but a lot of the time when I go to the restaurant, I order, like, a beer that they didn't make because their beer kind of sucks. <laughs> All right, that was a long one. Yeah. So what? What's? Have you ever gotten something to open early for you? Yeah, personally. Yeah, and make it like a re where it's like a problem, not like. Well, yeah, no, just whatever. Whatever your story is, I want to hear it. That's interesting to me. Yeah. All right. Question three. So I have been bitching that I use the same stupid attack right, that Henry had in freaking Offworlder against the Savages, which was probably racist. <laughs> what did I call them? Um, wildlings, right? I'm going to say that might have been racist. Who knows? I don't know. This author, he's all over the map. Okay. Um, but then he used it in this book against, <laughs> against black men. <laughs> Yowk. <laughs> That's not good. Okay. Let's, all right. So um, he uses this attack in two books now. All right. Very lazy writing. Didn't bother to come up with a different, like, plan. So if you were to write this book, what attack would Henry have actually used in this battle? Come up with, like, some fun magic scenario. He's taking on, like, 20 men. He's just one guy. So let's get a little more realistic than the I can instantly wipe out an army for no reason because that's just freaking lazy writing, right? I don't want to keep doing this chapter. So he's just, boom, everybody falls on the ground. Why wouldn't he just rule the world with that power? Anyway, 
Okay, so let's assume that, uh, you know, it, it's a more interesting attack. So tell me about that. I think it would be good if he did, like, uh, some martial arts, you know what I mean? Like, using magic and kicking, you know, like a back kick. That'd be great. Yeah, that's what I would have liked to see, I think. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's not in the book. What are you going to do? I guess if I were to edit this book, I could make this scene better, but I haven't edited the <laughs> This book, as you could tell by all the fucking typos. Oh my god, so many this week. Oh, it was bad. Oh. Yeah, so uh, that about uh, does it, I guess. Those are some good discussion questions. Don't you feel like I really... I really fucking hit the nail on the head today. I think I'm killing it. Maybe I should do all my podcasts at like 9 at night. Yeah. I mean, I'm out of whiskey, though. That's kind of a bummer. Maybe that has something to do with it. I drink too much during Sunday days when I'm trying to do this for real. I don't know. Uh, so I guess that kind of wraps it up. This was a fun chapter, I feel like. Unfortunate that it was so long and I'm doing it late at night. You know, for me, as a freaking middle-aged man. Am I still middle-aged? I guess, what is middle-aged? Write in if you know. I don't know. But, uh, I, I mean, what do I want to say here? Uh, I, I, I guess... I just, you know, maybe I need to drink more before I do the podcast. I think that's the real lesson learned here. I feel like I was trying to work on my inflection. If you like that, let me know too. I'm going to try to do that from now on. You know, I think I, I feel like some of the other chapters, I was really trying to just get through it as quick as possible. But I think I really enjoyed this one tonight. That was fun. That was fun, people. So right into the show. Head over to jeffreadshisbook.com and right there... Three ways to contact me. Oh, so exciting. You could email me at jeff at rainbow-100.com, right? Or you could toot at me on Mastodon at jba at toot.rainbow-100.com. Or uh, if you don't want to do either of those, you could reach out to me on uh, Twitter. I almost said Facebook. Don't reach out to me on Facebook. I never check Facebook. Fuck Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, I am Fortran Jeff. Uh, if you wanted to find me on Facebook, uh, I think you guys know my name. So, and you know I live near Cleveland. So there you go, huh? And if you want to meet, hit me up on Reddit. Uh, it's Print Star, but nobody has ever done that, and I don't even post this podcast there. I should do that this week, huh? Reddit's so hard to use these days. Oh, I hate their app or their program. Oh, what do I want to say? Their website. I don't use their app because fucking. What the hell does that app do? I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I guess that's it. I think I'm babbling at this point. I'm saying I mean over and over again, which probably means I drank too much. Although I only had one glass of whiskey and then a beer with dinner. I had, which one did I have? Which one did I have? Mm, marital arts. Not martial arts. Marital arts is what they wrote in pen on my beer can from the Jolly Scholar. Hey, there you go. If you're in Cleveland, people tell you to go to uh, Fatheads out in North Olmstead or fucking, there's another one in like Middleburg Heights or something. Tell them to go fuck themselves and then go to the Jolly Scholar on Case Western Reserve University's campus in Twing Center. I have yet, uh, out of those 20 beers that were delivered to my house for quarantine, I have yet to have a bad one. They're amazing. And I actually knew that going into this. They have a cream ale that I got to try somewhere in there, I think. Damn, it's good. Okay. All right. That's it. That's it. More alcohol talk needs to be saved for Sunday, which is freaking three and a half days away at this point. 
when I'll be doing this podcast again. So uh, until next time, keep on reading.